Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our current self-titled series, we're looking at what it means to answer the call to be a disciple maker of disciple makers. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Didi Bacon. So what is it about Memorial Day that is so important to us? What is it about... What we just experienced that causes the hair on the back of our neck to stand, the tears to rise up, the heart to swell. What is that? For me, it's connected to the love of freedom and the appreciation that freedom, the way we live, the life that we enjoy now, freedom is a gift. For us, freedom is really the way we describe how we live. In my view, it's the application of the principles contained in the Constitution that we now live out in the world that we have now, the society we live in now called the United States of America. Freedom represents our way. Freedom is our national identity. Now, I want you to imagine something with me. I want you to imagine what it would be like, what it would be like to live now. If in the past, when our freedom, our way of life, the way we live as these United States of America, what it would be like if when we had to go to war, to defend freedom, instead of winning, we lost. The union was not preserved. The access powers won the war, First or Second World War. The communists took it over, the world. The jihadists had their way. Imagine that we lived at this moment only with a memory, only with a memory of freedom. We had copies of our Constitution, but we saw that We weren't living the Constitution as was intended. We had stories that passed from generation to generation of what it was like to live under the flag of freedom when America was great. We had only memories and perhaps an aching and a longing for that to return because the reality of our life was very different because we lived under a system that we would call tyrannical or or repressive or definitely not freedom. Imagine what that would be like. Imagine the dread. Imagine the pain. Imagine just how would we go about things. I I can't even imagine that, Didi. This is what the Jews of Jesus' time was experiencing when Jesus came to them. That feeling, because 
what they had was no longer what they lived by. Their Bibles told a story about God, about God who called them out to be a people, about God who brought them out of slavery and oppression in Egypt, about a God who established them as a country to be his own, his people, about a God who had given them a king, a king who was after his own heart, a king called David, and his lineage was intended to rule over them forever. But all that was lost. All that was taken away. The Bibles told the story of how their people had turned away from God and had been pulled into exile. But then God, being faithful, had brought them back had brought them back out of exile, and now they were a people again, but a people not living according to the promise that God had given, not living in any way, shape, or form as the people they saw in the Scriptures they read. Their Bibles told them that one day God would come, would send a Messiah. He would send a... a, a man who was a descendant of the great King David, and this Messiah would reestablish the kingdom of God. They had the hope that one day the oppression that they were facing in the form of the Romans at the time would be lifted, and they would be returned to the glory of being the people of God, to being Israel. That was the hope and expectation of the people to whom Jesus came to. And in the very first book of our Bibles in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew presents Jesus to these folks, to these Jews. And he presents Jesus with a good news message that says, hey, Jesus is the Messiah you've been waiting for. He is of the lineage of David. You can check that off. He is the one that's been, been verified by God because he did miraculous things. And he taught amazing things about the kingdom of God. His message was about the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew told the good news to the people of Israel that the Messiah had been sent, but they did not accept it. And the reason they didn't accept it was because Jesus said, by the way, the kingdom is not what you think. The kingdom of heaven is not what you expect. You see, ever since the beginning, God's plan was not to limit the kingdom to a people group, the Jews, or a location, Israel. His plan was not to be living only in one place, the temple. No, his plan all along, his plan all along was to come, to bring his Messiah, to send his son, who would then bring a message of hope to all the world that everyone who believes, everyone who responds in faith to the Messiah, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, everyone who accepts by faith Jesus as the Christ will be brought in 
to the people of God. And the kingdom of heaven will be made up of people from all over the world who are marked by faith in Christ. People like you and me now living in Cincinnati, Ohio in the year 2018. And Matthew is very clear in pointing out that what marks those who belong to the kingdom are two things. Two things. You see, he focuses on two things that, that Jesus says that really provide some summary, some, some clarification of what it means to be part of the kingdom of heaven. Two things that, that Jesus says. The first thing he said, he, the pro, first proclamation is, is made before he was crucified. The second proclamation is after he's resurrected from the dead, just before he goes back to heaven and he commissions his followers to their mission. And so if you have your Bibles or you can follow along in the bulletins or up on the screens, please turn to Matthew chapter 22, verse 34, because here we have the first thing that marks what it will mean to be part of the kingdom of heaven. The first summary statement of what it means to be a Jesus follower. The first description of what it takes to be the place where God rules, because that's what kingdom means. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. Now, Jesus was in Jerusalem, and sitting in the context here. He was teaching in around the center of Jewish religion, the temple. In this moment, he was dealing with a barrage of questions that were coming to him from the various religious groups of Judaism at the time. Before we get to, to, to verse 34... We have to understand that earlier he had faced some questions from a group called the Sadducees. The Sadducees was a very influential and powerful party in the religious establishment of the Jews. The Sadducees were made up of those individuals that were priests and primarily those individuals who were servers, servants in the temple. They were a smaller group, but they were very powerful and influential. They asked Jesus a trick question because that was the intent of, of the barrage of questions. They tried to capture him so that he might discredit himself, so that he might get himself into trouble by what he said. And the Sadducees asked him a question and Jesus responded in, which, in a way that they could not answer. And then the turn was, was, was handed over to another group, a group called the Pharisees. The Pharisees. Pharisees would be the equivalent of our evangelicals, Christians today, because these guys were Bible-believing, committed to following the law of God. They were, they were popular in that they were of the people. They spent their time not just only in the temple in Jerusalem, but they were all over wherever Jews were. And they, their task was to, to champion the Word of God, to teach the Word of God. They were deeply patriotic to Israel. They were the champions of, of the call for the return of the Messiah and the, re, the return, the reestablishment of, of the kingdom of Israel. Verse 23, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. 
Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You know, the Pharisees in their intense commitment to the law, what they did was they would take a law of God and then they would add on because they were so afraid of violating the law of God, they would add on a bunch of addendums in what was called oral tradition and, and rabbinic teaching. They would add on a bunch of other things so as to prevent themselves from breaking the law. And in doing that, they made this massive list of extensions that went way beyond what God intended in the law. For instance, they had a law, the law that said, hey, you need to take one day a week, the Sabbath, to rest and worship God. Well, the Pharisees then took that and said, okay, well, let's discuss what it means to work. I mean, how far is working when you take, how far can we walk on the Sabbath before it's considered work? And they had a whole bunch of rules and regulations. If I have to carry water and it spills, is it work to clean it up or not? I mean, so they had a whole bunch of stuff that went into all sorts of details that really was, was, was really burdensome. And they moved away, Jesus said, from the really heart of the matter, the spirit of God's law. This is what they were all about. And so their question, Jesus, which is the greatest of the commandments, was really an attempt to get him engaged in a conversation, a bicker, if you like, about what was the most important law of all the laws that they had. They wanted to entrap him and sneak in and and, and make him look stupid and embarrass him so that they, he would be discredited as a teacher. But Jesus, we know, answers perfectly. And his response is, hey, we're not going to get into details. We're going to get into what's most important. What's most important centers around one word, love. If you want to know what God wants from everyone who's a member of his family, his people, his kingdom. If you want to know what God wants from you and from me, it's simply love. First, love God. Love God with everything you have. Love God in a way that, that God becomes your number one priority. Love God in a way that seeking to please him with your life becomes the thing that you are most committed to. Love God and he said the second one is really an application of it having to do with living in the life that you lead. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You see, because if you love God with everything you got, then you will know that God is truth. And so you won't lie because you do not want to offend the one you love the most, God. But you also won't lie to your, your neighbor, to, to the person next to you. Why? Because you don't want people lying to you. So don't lie to them. If you love God and love people, it will characterize you, it will mark you as a member of the kingdom of God. What does it look like to be part of the kingdom of God? It looks like a person who loves God with everything they got and loves their neighbor as themselves. This is something, this is what we call the great commandment. The great commandment. 
To be a member of the family of God, to be a member of the people of God, to be a member of the kingdom of God. Kingdom simply means the place where God rules. Then no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, you are able to join this kingdom by faith. And as a member of this kingdom, the calling is for you to simply love God and to love people. And so let's go to the second proclamation, because I think we've got the first one, the great commandment. But the second one is this. This great commandment is really an instruction regarding how this kingdom of heaven will be established and proceed after Jesus returns to heaven. This proclamation comes after he's risen from the dead. In fact, it's his last words to his followers before he returns They're his instructions to them regarding how the kingdom of God will continue to grow, how his ministry will now move into phase two, if you'd like, how his ministry of establishing the kingdom of heaven will will, will move and proceed to the ends of the age, to our time now and beyond. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I'm going to stop here a little bit, just, just take a moment for, for some commentary. Why are there just 11 disciples? We, we thought there were 12. Well, if you know the story, you know one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, betrayed Jesus in his anguish, took his own life. So there are only 11 apostles at this time. Now, a replacement for Judas will be made And the recording, the story of that is found in Acts chapter 1. But there are only 11 disciples. They go to Galilee. That's the region where Jesus came from, to a place where, a mountain where Jesus told them to go. And it says, when they saw him, they worshipped him. That word worship means to bow down. Why would you do that? Well, you would do that only if you are a God-believing person only do that in the presence of God. You only worship God. And so here we see that there's an acknowledgement that Jesus is God, God in the flesh, because they worshiped him. But it says they had doubts. They had second thoughts. Maybe second thoughts about what is next. Maybe they were afraid of the future. Jesus is going to return. Now what do we do? You're going, Lord, and we're left here. How's this going to work? What's going to happen? Don't go, please. We want to go with you, but you say we can't. So what's going to happen? They had second thoughts, and this is why Jesus says, then it says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I have the authority, Jesus says, as the king of the kingdom I'm about to establish through you, the apostles. I have the authority and I have the means And he says, with this authority, with this authorization given to you, I will empower you to do this. There it is. Here it goes. Therefore, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. A disciple is a Jesus follower. All nations means all nations, everybody. No matter nationality, race, creed, education, status, uh, socioeconomic status, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing, here we've got a description of the process, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
Now, you have to understand that at this moment, these guys, these apostles, were at the end of a three-year training process. Jesus had spent time with them, showing them what they needed to do when they became his apostles, take, continuing on the, the ministry of establishing the kingdom of heaven to the ends of the earth. He taught them how to baptize. He taught them how to heal. He showed them how to pray. He witnessed in front of them how to go about the ministry. He taught them about the truths of God that they would then apply in the establishment of the church. This was the end of a process in which Jesus had prepared and equipped and now was releasing these men to continue the work of establishing the kingdom of heaven. And the establishment of the kingdom of heaven would do what? It would involve first going out, meeting people where they were, go to all nations, and first of all, baptize them. That means what? That means share with them the truth that now a way is available for you to be made right with God through faith in Jesus. Bring them to the point in which they confess Jesus as Lord and are baptized. Baptism is, is a point in which we can say this is the end of the conversion process. And when they come up out of the water, we say they're filled with the Holy Spirit. To do what? Well, that's what he talks about. Now teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. What is that? How do we know what's all that? Well, we've got that summarized for us in the great commandment. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. And then he says this. Then he says, I will be with you to the ends of the age. How does that work? Well, he sends his spirit. You see, Jesus in the flesh is limited by his physical being. But Jesus in spirit, the Holy Spirit, is unlimited in his reach. And God's Spirit through Jesus can now be part of every one of our lives. Those of us who come to faith through the testimony of the apostles, that's what we've got in our New Testament. We can know God and have Jesus in our life through the Holy Spirit. You see, I read that, that statement to the very end of the age, and you know what I think about? I think about the times when I write sentences and I, I want to indicate there's more to come. What do I do? I go dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. What does that mean? That means there's more to come, right? There's more to this. Dot, dot, dot. Guess what? Every single one of us who are Jesus followers today are part of the dot, dot, dot. We are the fulfillment of this command that, that he is with them to the end of the age. We're part of the kingdom of heaven being established through the work of the apostles. The work of the apostles are contained for us in the scriptures that we strive to, to teach and to live out. Brian had a good statement in summarizing this whole endeavor. He said, we are to be rooted in the great commandment to love God and to love people in order that we can be fruitful in the great commission for us to go and make disciples. We're to be rooted in the great commandment in order to be fruitful in the great commission. And how does that work? We have a tendency to complicate that a little bit. 
I'm thankful to my friend Joe, Chaplain Joe, for a story he passed along to me, and I think it's apropos, particularly as we celebrate Memorial Day. Story goes, at the beginning of the Second World War, a large number of bombs were dropped by the Germans on France, and these bombs did not explode. These French bomb experts defusing the bombs were curious what caused the malfunction. And what they discovered in each of the bombs was a handwritten note that was tucked inside. French prisoners of war were doing forced labor in German munitions factories. And these guys had written on tiny pieces of paper, we're doing the best we can from where we are with what we got, every chance we get. They were deliberately sabotaging the bombs, doing what they could with what they had where they were. You see, the message sums up what I believe, what it means to be rooted in the Great Commandment and fruitful in the Great Commission. To be a member of the kingdom of heaven, we simply have to live by faith in Jesus, loving God, loving people, our homes and our neighborhoods and our workplaces, using the spiritual gifts that God provides as we fulfill the calling he, he, he has for us, using our talents and using our resources, learning and living out the teachings of Jesus that have given to us in the Bible called the New Testament and the scriptures that we have. Sharing with others the good news of Jesus by simply loving them, inviting them into our life, and introducing them to Jesus who is with us by his spirit. And doing that in the place that God puts us with the resource that God gives us, doing the best we can with where we're at. Throughout this message series, we have sat down with a number of folks within our Mount Carmel Christian Church family. And they've shared what it means to be Jesus' follower. From various points of view, as we've gone through the series and discussed this entire call to be disciples. And I'd like to close this time with a moment in which all of us can just hear the testimonies of our family members, members of our church, talking about what it means to live out the Great Commandment, being fruitful in the Great Commission. Talk about what it means to be part of the kingdom of heaven, Mount Carmel Christian Church version, at this time and this place. Talk about what it means to love God with all your heart and mind and soul and to love your neighbor as yourself and to be part of this process of being used by God to do their part in order to bring others the good news message of Jesus. So I just want to take this moment for you to hear their testimony. Give your attention to the screen. Me and my dad, at night, we sit on uh, their bed and we do uh, devotional, we read out of the Bible, we usually read like one verse and uh, then we can usually relate to that, like why is that verse helpful? But if we look at the relationships around us, if we look at what God has designed for us in the, in the world, uh, we can see Christ acted out in our own lives. 
which is amazing for me to say, I look at my daughter and I see my relationship with Christ in that relationship with her. And I don't know any other way to live other than to say, like, I see that and I say, wow. Why change something that's not broken? Like Mount Carmel was my home, those were my people, those were, uh, those, those were, my, those were my family. And so, you know, it, it just made every sense to come back to it. Even though it's my parents' church, it's the church that they're still there. It's just where I belong. Being an intentional leader and an intentional disciple. The discipleship process isn't something that, uh, you just wing it, you know? That there, there is some, some fundamentals there that can help you. It gives me a little more confidence and um, just more of a, a willingness to be able to, to be that disciple. Doing what I do takes time, but it takes love. And you get so much back in return. You get to see these kids grow and to become young, mature adults, and not just in their physical ability, but in their spiritual ability. And you get so much out of it. When you see a kid actually get it and actually worship and you realize how simple loving Jesus actually is, they're just so awesome. If I can play a part in them loving to come here, then it's, it's, that's everything. How are we gonna respond to living out your faith during the times when it's not that exciting, the times when you have to get up and you gotta go to work, how are you gonna be different? How are you gonna try harder each day to do that? How are you going to excel in your faith while also being in that setting? We're not here to just say, hey man, what's up, how you doing? Like, okay, great, yeah, see you next time. Like, we're here to bother yeah. each other. We are here together as a family. Like, let's go ahead and press in on yeah. that a little bit. I get to learn more about God because of my dad. God is so big and so sacrificial to love me as the stinker that I am. This church has always been there for me, for my family, and that's why it's home. Those opportunities uh, that we have been provided are why we belong at Mount Carmel. This is why I do what I do. That is why I love watching kids get it. And eventually you're forced to, to live it out to have that head, heart, hands mentality. And we want you to step out on faith. Full versions of each one of those uh, video testimonies, those testimonies are available on online resources. Go with Facebook, I know it's Vimeo website. You can find them out there. Really inspirational, heartwarming. Let's stand. I'm going to ask uh, those who are uh, on our prayer team, our elders, prayer team members, those who are assigned for today to come forward. These guys are available for you uh, to pray with in person. Um, shepherds of our flock, Mike and Larry are here. If you have any needs, uh, please come on down. I'm going to say a prayer, a blessing, and after that, you're free to, to go. Um, I do believe, I just saw in the corner, we have a baptism. So you can stay and enjoy that. Also, the team will play some music that you might you know, enjoy for a minute, but I encourage you to stay and be a witness to that. I know uh, I'm excited to be part of that. But let's pray together. Lord, I just thank you so much for this time we can share. An honor to be called your children, to be brought into the kingdom of heaven by faith in Jesus. Thank you that... You sent your son into the world 
with a mission that was beyond perhaps the vision of the, the Israelites of the time, definitely was beyond that, a vision that, that was for all of us to the ends of the age, which includes us, includes me and my fellow Mount Carmel family members, includes those who are visitors here, guests, individuals who are searching. The appeal is that you can be made right with God through faith. Thinking that we can know that our calling is to be rooted in the great commandment to love God and to love people. In the place that we're at, in, in the place that you put us, so that we can be fruitful in the Great Commission, seeking to learn and to live out scriptures, the teachings of the apostles as we understand and apply the Bible to our life, that we can be part of this mission of going to the world and making disciples, making Jesus followers, doing our part where we can with what you provide. Guide us and, and bless us and direct us in this, we pray in the name of Jesus, Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.